This morning, church, we are at part five of our foundation series where we've been laying down the spiritual brickwork to lay our lives upon. We've been looking at Jesus' command to take everything we are and everything we do and build it on his teaching, the best foundation for our lives. And so far, we've looked at the essential bricks in our foundation. We've looked at faith in God, repentance, which we said just means doing a U-turn, baptism in water, the Holy Spirit. And today, we're going to lay down the next spiritual brick that we're going to build our lives on. And this morning, we'll be exploring, as referenced in Hebrews 6, eternal judgment. Now, I know what you're thinking, right? Okay. A little bit like the message in repentance. If you've brought a friend to church this morning, you're thinking, you've got to be kidding me, right? You're going, of all the things that we didn't want brought up this morning, Pastor, you're going with eternal judgment? Thank you, right? That'll be fun around the dinner table this afternoon, okay? I understand that eternal judgment automatically makes us go like this. We're going, no, 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 no. Do you like a topic that nobody wants brought up at the dinner table, but you know the grandparents going to bring it up, right? Sometimes the topic of eternal judgment can be a wee bit like that in church. Eternal judgment on the surface can sound like really bad news. But church, this morning I want us to explore in God's word how even bad news but can become good news when Jesus steps in, okay? So this morning we're going to explore the foundational aspect of our faith called eternal judgment. And before we do that, I just want to recommend a a book to you. It's called Driven by Eternity. Some of you may have heard of it. Driven by Eternity uh, by an author called John Bevere. And I wouldn't necessarily agree with everything that the author says, but what I would say, it is one of the best pieces of material that I have ever read on eternity. And I could highly recommend it to you. And if you'd like to know where you can find it, I I can certainly point it to you. But in the meantime, church, why don't we pray and just welcome the Lord to come and teach us this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word for its authority, and for it being light in darkness. And Lord, I pray as we go over this message this morning, the Father, you would show us how bad news is good news when Jesus steps in. Lord, we pray that that whatever needs to be said this morning, that Holy Spirit, you would release it into the room. And Lord, for anything that doesn't need to be said this morning, it would just fall away. That Lord, your message would stand for each of us today. That Lord, we would leave here encouraged, knowing Lord, that your hand is upon us. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. Okay, church, here we go. Hebrews 9, verse 27. The end of 27 says this. Each person is destined to die. All right, worship team, if you want to come up, we're just going to close the service there. And no. Once, sorry, is destined to die once. And after that comes judgment. Now, I hope that each person is destined to die is not news to any of us this morning, Right? that we're not surprised by that. We know that death is a part of life, church, don't we? Even in the gospel stories, you think of Lazarus. Lazarus died, Jesus raised him from the dead, and then Lazarus died again, right? Why? Because death is a part of life. But the scripture tells us, church, that once we pass from this life, we will stand for the judgment of Almighty God. A day will come, church, where each and every one of us, no one is exempt, will stand before God. Now, just to clear up a couple of things, this is a, this is a huge topic, right? Eternal Eternity is a massive topic, and we may even, like the topic of the Holy Spirit, take some time to do a series on it, because we're not going to get it all done today. You might leave with more questions than when you come in, okay? 
but that's okay because sometimes that causes us to search the scriptures for ourselves. Um, but sometimes there's a couple of questions like this. So in between the resurrection and the final judgment, what happens? In other words, if we pass away before Jesus returns, what happens? And I want to be really clear with that this morning. If you are a believer in Jesus, you pass into the presence of God, okay? There's, there's no waiting room. There's no limbo. There's no purgatory or anything like that there. That's why the Apostle Paul says, I would rather be absent from the body, present with the Lord, okay? So the moment that we pass from this life, we pass into the glory of God himself. I want to be really clear on that. And some people will say, well, what about falling asleep in the Lord? Well, when Paul says things like that, he doesn't mean literally, you know, going for a snooze. He means to be at rest with Jesus. That's really what that means. When we were um, standing at my granny's funeral um, and we'd, we'd just done the committal, um, somebody had turned to me and said, do you think she's sleeping? And I went, no, <laughs> right? My granny's old school Pentecostal. She's waving a flag in heaven, right? That's what she's doing. That's my granny, Right? I believed in that moment, and I know that my granny's standing in the presence of the Lord, because when we pass from this life, church, we see Christ face to face. I want to be really clear on that. But here's our question this morning, church, okay? What is the final judgment? What is the eternal judgment that the Bible talks about? And as we go through this, church, you know that my heart as a pastor um, is that we want to go over the whole Bible, don't we? We don't want to skip over the difficult bits, and we can't pretend there's bits in there that don't exist because it doesn't help anybody, okay? We want to take the full Bible and we want the full Jesus, amen? Amen, okay. Well, here's how we deal with the eternal judgment, or this is really what it is. So judgment in New Testament Greek, when it's written down, the word is krisis, okay? Krisis, which simply means this, to make a decision. A judgment is to make a decision after reviewing evidence, okay? So if you think about it, after church today, you're gonna to make a judgment. You're gonna make a decision. What are you having for lunch, right? Will it be the full roast or will you go a bit lighter and have a toasty, right? You'll make a decision based on a couple of things. How much time do I have? What do I fancy? Is there anybody else coming around or is it just me? And we'll make a judgment or a decision on what we're gonna do. And church, eternal judgment works the same way. God makes a decision based on evidence. Now, I want to be really clear. The Bible says, yes, that when we die, we will be judged. Jesus will make a decision over our lives. But this is the crux of the message, church. Jesus will not make a decision at the judgment on where we spend eternity, but how we spend eternity. Okay, now I want to really explain that. Not where we spend eternity, but how we spend eternity. Now, the Bible teaches us that there's two final destinations, okay, for everyone who has ever lived or who will ever live. It's either eternal life in the kingdom of God and the new heaven and the new earth where all things are made new, including you and I, or the alternative is what many people call a lost eternity of eternal punishment. But those final destinations, church, are not determined at the judgment seat. I want to be really clear about that. Our final destination is not determined when we stand before God. Because here's the thing, church. Where we spend eternity will already be determined at death. Okay? Death is what finalizes our allegiance. I want to say it again. Death 
finalizes our allegiance in this life. And I thought of a way to illustrate this really interestingly, right? Celtic and Rangers, now bear with me, right? Okay, what this means. I discovered this week that um, hundreds, probably thousands, every weekend will go from uh, Ireland over to Scotland to watch Scottish football, usually to watch Scotland, or sorry, usually to watch Rangers or Celtic in their respective games or if they're playing each other, right? Now, if you're a Rangers supporter, and your allegiance is to the, to the blue, right? And you're wearing your blue shirt. You must go to the boat in Larne, okay? That is the only way, if you're getting the ferry, that you're getting to Scotland. If your allegiance is to Glasgow Celtic, you must get the boat at Belfast, okay? Now, the reason for that's obvious, isn't it? Celtic and Rangers fans love each other, and they don't want to know. They fight, don't they, right? So they separate them. But if you're a Rangers supporter, and you turn up to the Belfast boat, or if you're a Celtic supporter and you turn up to the Lauren boat, you're not getting on. They will turn you away and send you to the other boat. In other words, their allegiance determines their destination. And when they put on that shirt and turn up at the boat, it's too late to change allegiance. It's too late. And church, it's the exact same with us when we look into eternity. Our allegiance at death determines the destination and there's no changing it. Once we've either made the allegiance to Jesus Christ and lived for him and entered into death, or we've refused the allegiance with Christ and lived for ourselves, there's no changing destination. Death has already decided. And so the judgment won't determine what eternity we're going to because we've already made the decision in this life. Do you see where I'm going with that? Now, if you want to find out whether Rangers or Celtic fans go to heaven, come back next week, right? And we'll look at, no, I'm only joking, right? If you're new to Carrick, I'm only messing about, right? But genuinely, our destination, eternity with Christ or eternity without Christ, is determined in this life, whether we've given our lives to him or not. Death determines our allegiance. So then we might ask them, well, if, if death already determines our destiny, depending on our allegiance, how does the judgment of God determine how we spend eternity? And church, it's important to know, and this often gets forgotten about, that there are two types of judgments in the Bible. Many think there's only one and that we all stand at the one judgment together, everyone who, who is living and everyone who has ever lived and whoever will live, but that's not actually the case. There's two types of judgment in the Bible, and the first is called the great white throne judgment, as is referenced in the book of Revelation. And I want to read it to us this morning. And I understand there's a lot in this, okay? We will not get to it all, but I want to give us a general sense of what the Scripture is saying, okay? Revelation 20, verse 11. And I saw, this is John, the Apostle John, who in the book of Revelation is given revelation or vision of what happens at the end of time. I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. The earth and sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead both great and small, standing before God's throne, and the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up its dead, and the death and the grave gave up their dead, and they were all judged according to their deeds. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. So here's a summary, church, okay? This is what's called the great white throne judgment. Not one follower of Jesus will be at this judgment. 
this is not a judgment for believers. If your allegiance is to Jesus Christ this morning, you will not be at this particular judgment seat. This is a judgment for those who have decided not to follow Jesus as their Lord. And I want to highlight two things. God will judge, or as we looked at in the Greek, will make a decision about what individuals did with their lives. But church, the decision is not whether they will enter eternity with Jesus or eternity without Jesus. It will be to determine the extent of eternal punishment. And I know that is difficult to even go into this morning, church. But at the great white throne, God is determining not who goes to heaven and who doesn't. He is determining how those who rejected Christ will spend their eternity. And it's a serious thing, church. And this is why we we can't skip over these things in Scripture. And we can't let on that it's not there. We have to know these kind of truths. And then it goes on to say that all whose names are not found in the book of life, and this is the same people who are being judged, those who did not put their trust in Jesus, are thrown into the lake of fire, which Revelation calls the second death. Now, we have no time to even begin unpacking that this morning, what the lake of fire is and what hell really is. But the bottom line is this. The lake of fire is, is eternal torment, and Scripture is really clear on that. The lake of fire, and I heard a brilliant quote this week, hell is eternal desire, eternally unfulfilled. An eternal sense of longing that will never, ever be met because the one who can only meet longings, Jesus Christ, will not be there the way he will be in heaven. Eternity is separation from God. And you know what the difficult thing is about eternal judgment, church? It's eternal. There's no reviews. There's no exits. Once God has made his decision, once we have made our allegiance into death, there's no reversal. This won't be reviewed in a thousand years. It won't be reviewed in a million years. These decisions are eternal and they stand forever. But you know the greatest tragedy of the lake of fire is, church? That was never designed for people. Hell was never designed for God's creation. It was designed for Satan and it was designed for his angels. It was never designed for you and I. And the tragedy is, church, that God will send no man to hell. God will send no woman to hell. We have made our decision in this life and that is very important. His judgment at the judgment seat, he will not decide whether we go there. He will spend what our time will be like there. If you look at Matthew, uh, I think it's chapter 11 or chapter 20, or sorry, chapter 11, verse 20, you'll see that actually in eternity, there are levels of punishment that God will give. And it's not just like everybody's equal when we enter into eternity. And if that's the case, the lake of fire. But actually, there's, there's levels at which Jesus will punish. But in Second Peter 3, he says this, God is patient, listen carefully, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone, and that means everyone, to come to repentance. Remember what we talked about, make a U-turn and come to Jesus. Did you know church Jesus talked more about hell than he did heaven? Why? Because he loves humanity. He died for humanity. He was nailed to a tree for you and I that we may never have to face an eternity like this. Now, this is what I want to say off to the side, church. I understand that this is a very delicate topic, and it's a very difficult topic where we can have a lot of questions and feel like we don't have many answers, okay? 
but what I want to say is this, and I think this is important. We should never judge anybody's final moments. Okay? We don't know the conversations that people may have in their final moments. And we should be slow to judge that. Okay? So, for example, um, now this, this lady was, was already a follower of Jesus. I want to tell you two quick stories. I had a friend whose mom um, had uh, Alzheimer's and inevitably she was going to pass away from that. And uh, he was talking about how difficult it was to try and speak to her because she was there in person, but she was no longer there. It wasn't his mom anymore. And uh, if you've had that disease in your family, you'll know it's, it's extremely difficult. And uh, he said that even though I can't reach her anymore, and he said these words, Jesus can go where we can't. And church, we have to understand that even in someone's last moments, the Lord can go where we can't. And I'm not advocating that everybody enters into eternity with Jesus, and you've probably gathered that so far, but we don't know someone's last moments. I remember a pastor very close to me got a phone call one time from someone who the term is backslidden, used to follow Jesus, but then no longer followed Jesus. And on her deathbed, she called him and said, Pastor, can you come? I want to get right with God. And you know, folks, even in our last moments, whether we're aware of them or whether we're not, particularly people on this island, many know it's time to get right with God. Because once death comes, the allegiance is final. And church, my question for you this morning, humbly and as gently as I can put it, who's your allegiance to today? Is your allegiance to Jesus Christ? Because that will determine which throne we go to. And church, we need to have these conversations. I think in my three years at Carrick Nazarene, this is probably the only time I've touched on this topic, okay? We are not a hell and brimstone church. Sure, we're not, right? We're not condemnation. We're about life. But we do need to cover these parts of Scripture. And I want to show you a wee video. I think it's class, right, that I saw a few years ago. Um, and I want to show it to you about why we have these discussions about these parts of the Bible. So it's going to come up on the screen now. Church, why, why do we teach on the eternal judgment? Because there are many people who God loves, who sent his son to die in their place, who are walking off the cliff edge of eternity. And we as church cannot be silent on these topics. And we cannot pretend that these issues aren't here and that we can't teach it. And I'm not saying, church, that we go out into Carrick High Street on Monday morning and start ringing a bell and shouting that the end is nigh. I'm not saying that that's the posture that we take up, church. But we as the church are called to rise up in a world that is faced with bad news and says there is good news. In a world of judgment, Jesus offers the forgiveness of sins and eternal life, or as the old saying goes, life is short, death is sure, sin the cause, Christ the cure. There is good news to this bad news this morning. Jesus stands in the midst of eternity. He stands in the midst even of Carrick Fergus this morning and says, I am the good news solution to this bad news problem, which takes us, church, to the second kind of judgment that the Bible talks about. It's called the judgment seat of Christ or the Bema seat, which we'll get to next week. We're not going to cover all of this today. But the judgment seat of Christ's church is what Paul talks about on numerous occasions. Take Romans 14, beginning verse 10. You then, why do you judge your brother or your sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. So then, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. So it's important to understand, church, that 
the judgment seat of Christ is for believers only. This is a believers only affair. And when we stand before him, he'll not only be our savior, but he'll always also be our judge. And we'll be judged in one thing in particular, okay? It'll not be whether or not we enter into heaven, but it'll be how we lived for Jesus. That's what we'll be judged on. Not whether or not we believe in what was done at the cross, but what we did with the cross through our lives. Now, we'll get to that next week because we're not gonna have time for that this morning, but we will cover the rest of the believer's judgment next week. But here's a very important thing, church, to know about the believer's judgment. If you are a follower of Jesus, this is crucial to know about when you stand before him. We will not be judged on our sins because Jesus took the judgment upon himself. We will not be punished for our sins because Jesus took the punishment at a place called Calvary. And church, you and I will not have to stand before him worrying whether or not we will enter into eternal life because the price for eternal life has already been paid. And church, whether you are a follower of Jesus or not, that is good news this morning that no one, no one has to go before a throne of judgment, but all can go before the judgment seat of Christ and be accepted by him, not because of anything we have done, but because all that Jesus has done, that one day the Father would look at you and I and say, innocent, because once a man became sin who knew no sin, that you and I may be right standing before God. It's good news this morning. Do you see, church, how in the midst of bad news, Jesus comes and says, I am the good news solution. We don't have to be judged for our sins, church. Jesus took the judgment. We don't have to be punished. Jesus took the punishment. And so when Jesus rose again, church, it means that death is no longer a dead end. It is the doorway to eternal life itself. And whoever you are today, eternal life can be yours. Forgiveness can be yours. Jo joy, hope, and peace can be yours, even in the midst of death. Because for those of us, church, who place our faith in Jesus, life is not the end, but there's something better coming. Come with me to Revelation 21. This is John's vision after the resurrection and after the judgments. It's an amazing piece of scripture. He says this, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. Church scripture tells us that at the end of time, there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And it's more than a place of rest, church. It is a new way of living forever. People talk about what will a new heaven and new earth be like. And I've heard a theologian put it like this, not totally unlike this earth, but perfect as it was always meant to be. God and his people will be here forever. We'll be united with believers who have gone on before us, that great cloud of witnesses. All wrongs will be made right. The broken made new. Pain will be a faint memory. Every tear will be wiped away. No more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain, because Jesus will bring all things together and make it new. This is the hope of the believer, church, that death is not a dead end. It is the doorway to eternal life. Behold, I make all things new.
there's something better coming this morning, church. And that may look like different things to each and every one of us this morning, but there's something better coming. Uh, this week I had the, the, the privilege of, of taking the funeral of uh, Catherine Ogilvy. I never had the privilege of meeting her. Uh, many others didn't, but many of you did have the privilege of, of meeting Catherine. And toward the end of uh, that funeral, I told this story, and you've probably heard it before, but it's of an elderly woman who knew she was dying, she was terminal, and uh, she asked to speak to the pastor. And they were making the funeral arrangements and what hymns they wanted sang and, um, you know, refreshments after and where the funeral would be and all that, you know, stuff that needs talked about. And as the pastor got up to leave, he put his hand on the door and she said, oh, oh, one more thing. I would like to be buried with a fork in my right hand. And the pastor's like, what did you say? <laughs> I want to be buried with a fork in my right hand. And the pastor came and sat down again. And she explained to him that the reason she wanted a fork buried with her was this. Anytime she was at a church dinner or a church party, she used to love it when someone would inevitably lean over her shoulder after dinner and say, you can keep your fork. And she said, I always used to love that because it meant that something better was coming. <laughs> Maybe it was a chocolate cake. Maybe it was an apple pie, but something better was coming. And she says, when people walk past my coffin and see that fork and ask you, pastor, why on earth is there a fork in her hand? I want you to tell them she knew something better was coming. Church, this morning, something better's coming. And when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, that something better is for you. Can I invite us to stand? Church, I know we've covered a lot, of, a lot of ground this morning and very sensitive ground as well. And I'm really aware of that. And if you have any questions um, you want to ask, uh, please feel free to do that with me this morning um, or to message me. Um, and we will go into the believer's judgment in more detail next week, okay? And a wee bit more into that. Um, but for this week, church, I just want you to know just, just the peace and the love of God upon our hearts. Can I invite the worship team up just now? They're going to lead us in one last song. Um, the church, we would know that we're not going to avoid the difficult parts of the Bible, but we're going to embrace it. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to teach us it, that we would stand as strong believers on that day of judgment. And but also, church, that we would have a sense of urgency within our hearts, not fear, but urgency for those who have not yet found Jesus Christ, that what is coming that is better would be found by them. Church, take hope. Lift your eyes to heaven. There's something better coming. Amen? Amen. Allow me to pray for us. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that even in darkness, it brings light and it reveals all truth. And Father, for those parts of scripture that we find difficult to walk through, those parts of scripture, Lord, that we maybe have questions about. Lord, I thank you that you're big enough to take our questions. That, Lord, you embrace us even when we're in confusion and we're not too sure what's going on. But, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen our legs to stand for you, Jesus. 
that, Lord, we would live with eternity in mind. That, Lord, we would not get so caught up in this life, Lord, that we lose perspective that there's a life to come. That, Lord, even what we're going through, Father, in our spirits, in our hearts, in our bodies, will one day come to an end. That, Lord, for those who love you, that, Father, pain will cease and loss will cease. That, Father, every tear will be wiped away as we enter into your restored world, Lord Jesus. For, Lord, we repeat your words. You make all things new. And, Lord, today we stand before you, honoring you, honoring your word, and say, Lord Jesus, come soon. Lord, come soon. And we give you thanks that there's something better coming. And in Jesus' name we all said, amen.